Channel Podcast. Lacey Henderson, fourth at the World Championships last year. Henderson on her way. Lacey Henderson is a Paralympic long jumper from America. She survived cancer at nine, but the price was her leg. It was amputated just above her right knee. Her positivity and close-knit family helped her through those tough times as a kid. She never even really saw herself as disabled. That moment in Lacey's life has defined her in many ways, but also in some unexpected ways too. I'm Ed Knowles and this is the Olympic Channel Podcast. Olympic Olympic Channel Channel Podcast. I gave Lacey a call to talk about her early life, her late call up to Rio 2016 and the undeniable link between mind and body. Hello, Lacey. How are you? How's things? Things are going. Things are going pretty good. I must say, I can't complain. Uh, 2019 is a long year for majors for both, you know, able-bodied and para. So now it's just trucking along and training through. Let's go right back to the very, 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 very beginning. So that, that you were nine years old when you were diagnosed. Can you take me through what happened there then? Um, okay, so I was born in Denver, Colorado, and I grew up there. Um, I grew up with an athletic family. My dad actually went to Olympic trials for pole vault. I kind of just like wrote off this pain in my legs for a while. I think like when you're, when you're a kid, like, and you go to adults and you're like, Hey, this is happening. They're like, everybody always knows better than you. So you're like, Oh, I guess I just have growing pains. I guess I'm just sore from sports. So I was usually like, I was always like really athletic again. So whenever we would do like, like our class, our physical education class, um, I was one of the top three picks usually for whatever team sport. <laughs> and, um, and I was just always like, you know, I could keep up with the boys. I was always really good. But as the year progressed, I stopped participating in a lot of our like PE, our like fitness classes because my leg just hurt too bad. So after a while, my teachers started calling home and they were like, okay, what is happening with Lacey's leg? And um, I went to the doctor at first, we took x-rays and nothing showed up. The pain just kept getting worse. So eventually, we got a prescription for an MRI, and the MRI revealed a light bulb-sized tumor uh, caged right inside of my kneecap. So we did a biopsy, and after that, that, that was when it was revealed that I had a soft tissue cancer called synovial sarcoma. I remember waking up in the recovery room and being told that I, w- that I had cancer. They didn't know what kind it was for a while, um, but... It's it's so weird because I feel like this is like it's a little sick to say, but if you're gonna get cancer, nine was a pretty good age to get it. And it's it seems like childhood cancer is so tragic and really upsetting. But I think like at the age of nine, I was able to understand the gravity of the situation, but I didn't have like the like emotional baggage that I do now at <laughs> thirty, mm-hmm. where I'm not sure like I would actually be able to um to cope as well as I did that. So I mean it was like, I remember, like, I remember being diagnosed. I remember like going through talking about chemo, talking about amputation, talking about dying. And I just, I think, um, there's like, I don't know, I'd say maybe like 40 to 50%. I remember is like relatively accurate. Um, but I am told like, you know, my mom, I think my parents remember a lot more of like some of those really scary details more so than I do. A young Lacey watched the film Bring It On and went absolutely crazy for it. Her obsession with cheerleading resulted in a scholarship at the University of Denver. 
As college came to an end, she sought the next chapter in her life. Her dad was a track and field coach and one night dared her to give pole vault a go. Going into my senior year of college, I was I knew, like at this point, like I'm like, OK, clearly I've had like almost like a Disney princess type lifestyle as far as sports and as far as like my success and progression. And I knew that that was unique. Like I didn't I still didn't really know anybody with disabilities, didn't know the disability world um, at this point. I tell people I was like, you know, I was in what I call disability denial. Like I didn't consider myself a disabled person. I realized like, you know, I have this leg, but I, I realized like my amputation and my prosthetic, like nothing actually changed who I fundamentally was before or after. And I was like 21 or 22. And I'm like, I want to give, I want to give back to the children, <laughs> to the children. And, um, I started volunteering at, a, we call it AMP camp. It's a, it's a youth camp for kids with limb loss, limb deficiency. And that was actually like that whole summer was just really weird and serendipitous with timing because that was the first time I had seen a running prosthetic and it was on like some little kid. Cause I, I had seen like pictures of them in my prosthetic offices and it always seemed like those, like the athletes that were racing in them like they already were professional athletes they knew what they wanted to do I didn't know like I they looked cool but I didn't know that that was like a realistic thing to even try um until I saw like you know an 11 year old just bouncing around <laughs> on a running leg I got a running leg I started getting better at jumping and I think some like U.S. Paralympics like kind of like got caught whiff of it and my dad actually ended up having a friend who as a congenital arm amputee and he did able-bodied sports growing up. He was a coach. He was trying to help the Paralympic movement grow in Colorado. And he's like, well, we should have Lacey out for a race. So I hadn't, I like had ran some indoor 60 meters just to just work on speed work for the approach for pole vault. And um, I decided to, I agreed to do the hundred meter race. And that was where um, my first hundred meter I qualified for the London games just the year before. So I was like, okay, maybe I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> and uh, my second race ever, I qualified for the U.S. National Championships. So 2011, just graduated university. I went down, I raced at um, our national championships. And I really, I went in and again, I was like, I'm a division one athlete. I'm going to show all these people with disabilities, like what you can do, blah, blah, blah. And I go to nationals and like, I get my ass kicked. Like, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I get swallowed up in that race. And I'm like, oh my God, these girls are so fast. And um, that was like the first real sobering moment where I was like, oh, disabled sport is not what I thought it was at all. Take your marks. Set. Despite the setback, the future looked pretty bright in athletics. Although finding exactly what event suited her took, well, a little longer than expected. This is so embarrassing, but I had avoided long jumps this whole time. It had been brought up to me to try. Um, I didn't want to do it because, like, again, coming from a cheerleader background, cheerleading is an incredibly hard sport, but, like, I didn't like sweating and I didn't want to get dirty. Like, that was really why <laughs> I didn't want to jump. And, you know, it's ironic now looking back. I'm like, there's literally sand everywhere all the time, forever in my life now. But um, I tried long jumping in 2013, and within, like, four comps, I had broke a 17-year-long American record um, for jumping. So 
I think like as far as jumps and gymnastics, my history of gymnastics, it just it translated well. And that was the year that I made my first world championship team. Um, I had finished top five in the world for like pretty much every consecutive year since then. And things really took off once I, once I found long jumps. Lacey's place on the team for USA at Rio 2016 looked like an inevitability. But her personal life started to fall apart. And that started to affect her performance. I was in this relationship with another athlete. He is an able-bodied athlete. We were in this training camp together. There's a lot of drama going on in my personal relationship. And, you know, it was, it was, it was on its way out. And, um, and on top of that, I also had my family, like my parents were divorcing. And I had never, first of all, I never gave my childhood friends enough credit for going through their parents' divorce. I always thought it was like, you know, so what? People get divorced all the time. This is America. And then... And then I went through it. I was like, wow, this is really upsetting. You know, this is the foundation. Like, there's just so much crazy stuff that happens when your parents break up. And I think when you're older, too, you look back on it. And it's just like, it's so different because your parents that are treating you like, like you guys are peers to each other. And, you know, like way too many details about why they're breaking in, like, you know, all this crazy stuff. And so trials is rolling around all during this time. And... I go to trials and I'm like, no worries, not me. I'm still going to perform well. And I get there and just like, too terrible, <laughs> too terrible. And, you know, trials is our selection criteria for the U.S. for making the team. So I didn't make Rio. Um, and I just remember I had, like, I had changed my whole life. Like I had made my whole life about track. I was, I moved from Colorado. I lived in Phoenix this time. And I like let my personal relationships kind of just fade away. I just made everything. I was like, the only thing that's important is making this team. And then I didn't. So Lacey took a break. There was a family trip to Italy. Suddenly, because she wasn't on the Paralympics team, she was available. There she planned to get to know the new members of her family after her parents' divorce. Then she went to Argentina with a friend. Not long into that trip, everything changed. I was in Argentina maybe three or four days and I remember I had like, I had taken a shower, I got out of the shower and I looked at my phone and um, I had like a bunch of texts and a bunch of missed calls and it's from the director of athletics for US Paralympics for track. And it's like, whenever you see that, it's so funny because like your initial thought is you're like, okay, did I say something where I'm going to get sued or like, I'm like, am I in trouble? It's like, well, like, I would, I would just be like, oh, what have I done? Like, what have I said now? That's exactly, like, yeah. It's like, you have all these missed calls and texts. It's like, call me, me yeah. from your boss. You're like, oh, I'm definitely in trouble. I don't know what I did, but for sure it's bad. So <laughs> I'm like, here we go. I call her up and she... She's like, hey, what's up? Like, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm in Argentina, really randomly. She's like, oh, she's like, have you heard the news? And I'm like, there is no news. That's why I'm this far away from the world. I'm like, no news. She's like, oh, you didn't hear about Russia. I'm like, who? <laughs> um, I, she's like, you know, Russia, there's this whole doping violation going on and nobody's allowed to go. Right now we have just been given one slot and you're the next person in line. Do you want to go? to Rio <laughs> and I was like you know like when you get like an overload of information like your brain still just like it's like that little rainbow processing ball on your computer like that's exactly I was like 
I heard that and I'm like, can I call you back? <laughs> and this is maybe two weeks before they, they sent everybody out for team processing. And she's like, uh, you're going to have to hurry. <laughs> so I hang up, I text my coach, my training partner and my sports psychologist, a couple coaches. And, um, my coach writes me back immediately. He's so amazing, but he also like, he's one of those, like he's been coaching forever. He's coached for a million, like a ton of delegations, a ton of medalists. And I'm like, I was like, this happened. What do I do? And he's like, all right, Lace, you truly steered your own ship. I'm like, okay, that's too big. Like he talks like yoga, Yoda sometimes. I'm like, okay, no, I need <laughs> like not helpful. Um, and my sports psychologist texts me back and like, thank God he was like, Lacey, he's like, you get on this plane right now, you go home and you go to Rio. He's like, you spent, you moved your whole life for this and you, and you don't want to go now because of course now I have this thought of like, you know, it's, it's like the athlete imposter syndrome. Like if somebody's coming back from an injury and in my case, it was an emotional injury. So I just like didn't train, really moped around. I was like, I don't feel prepared. I, you know, I, I don't know if I'm ready. Like, is it really like, should I go? Did I, did I earn it? And, um, my sports psychologist is like, get off your ass and go. And so my training partner at this point had ridden me. He's like, that's awesome. And of course I'm nervous. I'm like, well, I haven't, I haven't really been training. Like what, I don't know what to do. And my, my training partner's like, forget training, jump anyways. And I, like, I had never been told that before. <laughs> like I never, I'd never heard that. And it was like, it was exactly what I needed. I'm like, wow you bring up a good point. So I call her back. I'm like, all right, sign me up. We're going. And, um, I do a couple like last minute polishing training sessions when I get home to Phoenix and we head off. Rio was incredible. I ended up making the final for long jump, which is crazy because I had like, there's competitors and I had US competitors and I know people, most people train and maintain their fitness through the Olympics. I took a healthy break in between <laughs> and, um, and I still made finals and it was just like, it was a crazy and incredible experience because I feel like I came with a level of gratitude. I think like I was coming into Rio initially and trials just with pressure and expectation and all these things I put on myself. Um, and it was all taken away. You know, it's like you, it, it feels like a loss, but it's also like the loss of that, that pressure all the time. So when I went in, it was just gratitude. I'm like, man, I'm just happy to be a part of the team right now. And uh, it was just, it was an incredible experience. Lacey has been pretty upfront with how she's tackled mental health issues. The strength she's found from overcoming cancer as a youngster was useful in becoming a high achiever, but somehow it wasn't enough. I had thought that my experience with cancer was, you know, like it was like, oh, I've got the hard part done early. And that's not really the way that life works. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be also because like we're constantly faced with adversity. Like I thought that, you know, I thought everything was going to be linear and logic and logical and just like you know everything there wasn't going to be any more obstacles and like um I needed that because that is that's life that is what life is is like you are constantly adapting and you know I think I didn't get the lesson the first 1400 times so I had to get it later where like being like I love the term adaptive athlete, which I think it's just like it's such a weird thing to say because I'm like we're always adapting, and that doesn't mean if you're an able-bodied or para-level athlete, 
you have like that's being an athlete is you have to be adaptable and um i you know, with my body and with wearing prosthetics, I thought that I had nailed that, but I didn't like, you know, it took me a lot longer to get the mind game and to be able to not just, you know, I, I wouldn't say compartmentalize, but be able to manage life outside of sport as well as my life inside of sport and find harmony between the two, because that's really what helps performance. I think there's a, there's a misconception as well where it's not, there needs to be a change of mindset about, how brave it is for you to admit that there was something traumatic that happened in the in, in your life in the past like for you it, on the outside it looks really obvious it's like you know it's one of the first things that people will you know it comes up in your biography or whatever is you know she had cancer when she yeah. was nine but yet when you're in the middle of it you're like yeah i kind of yeah i got over that and i've sorted that all out and actually <laughs> it's uh, it's the reality is completely different yeah well and it's like it's not the effect of it too isn't like simple either and I think that was you know you get so used to telling the story like you know the words you know how the story ends but um you know it, it was a ripple effect like it affected my family it affected my parents it affected my brother and it affected so many things besides just me and it's not just like adapting to a new body part it's like you know it's weird because like you're thankful for something, but you also like still have to suffer the loss of it because, you know, losing my leg was my ticket out of cancer land. That was my way to get healthy. But at the same time, it's still like a huge loss, especially to go through something young where like you, it's not, it doesn't feel as emotional as emotionally as like as big of an emotional impact. Excuse me. There we go. Um, as it would now, but like it's, it doesn't mean that it wasn't that at the same time. This is just because like you didn't have, like I didn't have necessarily the maturity or the life experience to really be like, dang, this is a, this is a big deal. Instead of being like, Oh, well, when I was young, it was just like, well, I'm sick now and I'm going to get better. And I said, like, okay, well I was sick and this is what made me better instead of like being like, yes, but that also contributed to a lot of other <laughs> like hurdles I'm about to face in my life because I just didn't have, um, a lot of coping strategies, but I, I had been offered therapy when I was young. I've been offered therapy in the hospital and I had tried to see some therapists. Um, I didn't love them. I don't, I didn't like the approach of like a lot of like my experience with the child psychologist, like, you know, everybody approached me very gently and I didn't want to feel like I was different. I, I knew that like I was sick and I just, I didn't want people to treat me like I was fragile. And, um, I just wasn't ready for a really long time. And that's the crazy thing about like seeing a psychologist, especially with sport is like, there's still kind of like this weird stigma against it. Like you're not tough if you need to go to a psychologist, but it's like, I mean, it's another form of training and that's really what it came down to for me. And any other time in my life, like I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to, to tackle those mountains, but at the same time I needed I wanted to get better in sport and like when it was approached as like, you know, an asset to training, it just, it seemed like it made sense. And then just being open to it, like it took me a long time to finally realize like other parts of my life were going to affect the way that I, you know, participated in my, in the environment that was crucial to my performance. And it's just like, it's not ever, it's not ever as simple as we try to make it seem, you know, but like, but they can still coexist and, and you see people on the main stage and like if things aren't connected, if your mind and your body aren't connected, it's really, it's really hard to pull off a good performance. 
And now Lacey is gearing up for the World Championships in Dubai. She will be jumping in the T62 classification, which is on Monday, the 11th of November. And she's making sure her life now is not just all about competition. I don't know, like it's been 2019, this year's been super fun and been crazy and like had a lot of prosthetic issues and I've had some facility issues in Texas, but it also, I started adding in new things. So I started adding in my podcast, Pick Last and Gym Class and the web series. I started doing a lot more creative projects and it's been fun. It's been really, it's been really cool to have something that feeds me and my soul other than sport. Um, and it's been fun to watch like progress. We, last year was, um, there's a Euro- European championship year. So for us, we didn't have any big majors, but it's been cool to watch Euros and see so much talent coming up, so much young and new talent. And um, Paris is crazy because it's like, it's like a demonstration of the human spirit and what it's capable of when combined with, you know, physical talent. Um, and it's going to be like Paralympic sport is just going to be, it's going to be something incredible to watch come 2024, 2028. These are going to be like machines that are unstoppable. Yeah. I think that Tokyo looks like it's going to be the biggest Paralympics ever. And they, they, even the word in it, you know, it comes with the Olympics the whole time. Like they're taking both things and they're genuinely treating both events with equal footing, which is massive it's huge so if you can't get yeah. excited about that and <laughs> you're in the wrong business aren't you basically <laughs> then you're dead inside <laughs> <laughs> paralympics like the word para comes from parallel so it's supposed to be parallel to the olympics and you know it's just like coincidental that we happen to have like a lot of par- people with paraplegia <laughs> that are doing the sport as well and mm-hmm. i think that's where it got confused and you know it's just slowly but surely it's building momentum again because I didn't even know how big a series it was until I kept getting you know until I kept losing (laughs) it was like oh my god these people are really good these are really talented athletes and um in my experience at um at Lima at 20 uh pair of Pan Ams in Lima this year was just incredible it almost felt as big as Rio to be honest like our track was packed every day and um it was just like it's been cool. My experience in Europe, I know like my first international competition ever was a, a Grand Prix series in Birmingham. And like, I remember a kid asked me for my autograph and I got confused. I was like, surely you mean something. I was like, surely you mean someone else. And I didn't realize that it's, you know, it's a movement that's building momentum every year and it should. And, and the, the performance is coming out of the athletes, especially these young athletes now, because there's, there's younger people that, know about Paralympics so they can start training. We have like an amazing juniors program now through the US. We have Paralympic level athletes in our NCAA system and it's just like the talent here is being, you know, bred for longer periods of time and there's there's more visibility around it. So it it becomes something that people aspire to do and that is competitive and we can fill lanes now. We can like have full heats and full flights of events and, and athletics and you know you couldn't find that ten years ago. So I mean it's just Tokyo is going to be amazing. It's going to be like stepping into the future. Olympic Channel Podcast.
Big, big thanks to Lacey. You can follow her on Instagram. She's Lacey is your friend. Her podcast is really good too, and it's called Picked Last for Gym Class. You can follow me. I'm at Eddie Knowles with an I and an E, and Olympic Channel is also all over socials. So if you want to give us a follow, go and do that. If you liked this episode of the podcast, then why don't you have a listen to the interview that we did with Madison de Rosario? Madison is an Australian, three-time Paralympic medalist, wheelchair racer. She also won the London Marathon. And she gave a few pointers about what you should and shouldn't say online. There's this weird disjoint between like men and women where I feel like men genuinely believe that calling women attractive we take as a compliment. And it's like your opinion will... As a stranger, it will never be a compliment. If you've liked this week's podcast, then go write a review in the podcast app. Five stars there, please. And also put in a little inspirational quote from your favourite episode. That is it for now, though. See you soon. Think like an Olympian. Olympian.